It's Friday, April 22nd, 2016 at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, and this is Higher Ed Special Edition. I'm your host, Aaron Sapinka, and on today's live broadcast, we're talking about search on your website. When your institution's website visitors can quickly and easily find what they're looking for, they're more likely to stay on your site and feel good about their experience. A good search tool should work fast and search everything, including various file formats, even PDFs, and links. To provide a friendly user experience, a search tool should offer suggested words or phrases, catch misspellings, and guide the visitor through searches where content is not found. From the web management end, institutions should have control over the look and feel of their search tool, what gets featured, and what which file types get included. It's also important to have access to useful reports, like up-to-date summaries of the queries taking place on your website. Last, you want a tool that is flexible enough to quickly adjust search capabilities to satisfy user needs. My guest today is here from Utah Valley University to talk about improving search on your website. But after, but first, a few shout-outs to the sponsors who make today's broadcast possible. Higher Ed Special Edition is part of the Higher Ed Live Network, offering viewers direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Live broadcasts allow viewers to share knowledge and participate in discussions around the important issues in the industry. Today's live live viewing experience is powered by Maestro, the premier marketing tech platform for broadcasters. All episodes of Higher Ed Live are free and accessible in the video archives at higheredlive.com and in podcast form on iTunes. Today's episode is made possible by Omni Update, the leading provider of web content management and digital marketing solutions for higher education. The company's user-friendly platform and award-winning technology empowers 60,000-plus users to be engaged and personalized in online communications with prospects, students, faculty, staff, alumni, and the community. Whether you're looking for a CMS, online course catalog, faculty directory, blog, or email marketing solution, check out Omni Update at omniupdate.com. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a marketing and communications firm that works with education institutions on branding, strategy, web design, and more. Calling all storytellers, M. Stoner is offering a web free webinar on April 27th on the anatomy of a story. Led by CEO and co-founder Voltaire Miran, this session dives into the foundational aspects of a story that stories that engage imagination and spark emotion. Voltaire will also explore the ways in which you should use storytelling techniques to reveal and build your brand. Registration is free, and we're tweeting out a link shortly where you can sign up. Now, on to my guest. I'm excited to welcome Nathan Gerber to the show. He's the head director of web development and services at Utah Valley University. He's a web solutions advocate specializing in helping educational institutions build effective and productive web solutions. Since 1993, Nathan has assisted many businesses and educational institutions in creating their web systems. As technologies evolve, Nathan works with the UVU community to be a driving force in helping clients move in the right directions. Thanks for joining me today, Nathan. Well, uh, thanks thanks for having me, Aaron. I, uh, I'm excited to be here today. Well, before we dive into my questions, for those of you watching along, please don't hesitate to ask using the hashtag HigherEdLive, and I'll do my best to ask the questions as they come in. All right, so I know that you've prepared a slide deck for us. Do we want to queue that up now, or do we want to have? Do you want me to ask a couple questions to get started? Uh, let's go ahead and queue it up. I'll run through that, and then we'll jump into questions. If that All right. I'll go ahead and share my screen here. Are you seeing that? Okay, there, Aaron. Yep. Good awesome. on my end. Okay. 
Well, I'm glad to be here today. I hope that uh, this uh, information is helpful. Um, it's It's been a, a thing on our minds for a long time. We've been working on several solutions. Hopefully I can share some ideas, some concepts, some tips, those kind of things. But uh, search is a big thing. Uh, it's it's very important to uh, to have working well on your site. So let's just get right into it and we'll go from there. So um, uh, why is search important? Uh, it's kind of a uh, rhetorical question, but uh, a lot of people, believe it or not, don't quite understand why search is in so, so important. Uh, we need to always remember how people use our site, and we need to make sure that we understand what they're trying to find. But more importantly, we have to make sure they can find it easily uh, on their own. Uh, it's something that uh, we just need to make sure all of our sites do. So this is kind of a no-brainer. Search is super important. Um, I'll get into some of the details of, of how we all individually use it, but before I do that, I wanted to show a couple pieces of information that I, I've uh, come across. This, these actually come from the Ruffalo Noah Levitt's uh, e-expectations report from last year. So this is probably no surprise to anyone that uh, college websites influence uh, incoming seniors and juniors the most out of all the materials, all the information they can find, it's typically the websites that influence uh, them the most in their decisions in which university or college to attend. On top of that, uh, this probably isn't a surprise either, either that when they're, you know, when they're on the web, how do they find you? Well, they find you through a search engine. Uh, it can be Google, Bing, Yahoo, you know, whatever but they're going to use the search engine the most to find you. And when they do that, um, this is the next piece. They're typically doing what's called a branded search. Um, again, maybe not surprising to most of you. A lot of people think that uh, incoming freshmen, uh, junior, seniors will do a search uh, specifically on a, on a program or a, a major and not know who the schools are that offer that and then drill down from there. But what this shows is that some of them do that, but a lot of them will brand the search. They already know the name of the institution or they'll, they'll put the name of the institution and the major together in a search. So that's a fairly large percentage of students will do that. May not be surprising to you, but I wanted to kind of set the tone. Now, once they get to your website, uh, what are the things they're looking for or what are their top content targets? Uh, here's an example of some of the top things that juniors and seniors are looking for on your public website. You can see here it's it's very clear that academic programs, listings, de details, ratings, those kinds of things are important. Uh, right after that is how much is it going to cost me? So, that, you know, the, the key typical questions that students ask are, do you have my program? How much is it going to cost me? And then if you look at the rest of those things, it really does have to find have something to do with the third question they ask a lot about, and that is, will I fit in? Does the institution fit my needs? Will I uh, be a good fit for that institution? Those types of questions. So top content targets are really important to understand so that we can customize and build the uh, experience on our websites appropriately uh, when it comes to search. So, you know, if all of you are sitting in front of me in an audience, I would probably have you raise your hands, but I can't do that right now. And I wasn't sophisticated enough to get a whole bunch of cool technology to do. So I just want to take a straw poll. You can raise your hands where you're sitting. How's that? Uh, so how do you interact with websites? I'm going to ask a couple questions here. So you're either going to answer, uh, you use search more often on websites or you use navigation more often on, on websites. 
And we all use websites a little bit differently, but some of us have a tendency to use search. We go to a website, we hit the search box immediately. There's others of us that'll hit a website, we'll kind of splunk around in the navigation, try to find things on our own, and if we can't find it, then use the search box. What's interesting is in both scenarios, uh, the search box is used in some way or form, typically. Now, con uh, heavy content sites like educational sites, Amazon, Netflix, but also all of our university sites, all of our college sites are typically what we call heavy content sites. We have multiple departments, most of which are contributing content uh, they can, they can be very large. I know most of the uh, higher ed institution sites will range anywhere from a few thousand pages to several tens of thousands of pages, if not even more than that. So these sites are considered heavy content, which means there's a lot of content. It's hard to organize. It's hard to arch architect correctly for the user experience. So how do you use these kinds of sites? Do you use search more often or do you use navigation more often? And what I've found is I've done this straw poll in a couple different scenarios. I found typically that most people will use a, a standard website with some navigation. They'll hit the website. They'll spelunk around. Like I said, they'll, they'll look for things in the navigation. And hopefully that website's built and the navigation is built with, with what's called scent, follow your own nose kind of thing, find your own content, that kind of stuff. But when we get into heavy content type sites, we're more we lean more heavily towards just hitting the site, uh, not really knowing where to look and just hitting the search box. For instance, when I go to Amazon, a lot of times I'll just search. I don't try to navigate down through things. Uh, same thing with, you know, something like Netflix or something like that. So it depends on the type of site. And I think we all need to remember or realize that most of our higher ed institution sites fall into this heavy content uh, scenario. So here's another question that I usually throw out, and that is how much time do you spend within your uh, institution or within your web teams, marketing teams, whatever they are, refining and fine-tuning your search? And typically what I find is I find that we get so busy with everything else going on, going on on our site. You know, we're trying to keep content up to date. We're trying to meet accessibility needs. We're trying to make sure that the look and feel is fresh and up to date. Uh, cool things happening here and there. We just get so inundated with so many things that we've got to do that we kind of leave search in the background and we say, hey, we have a search. It works. We don't need to worry about it. But if we spend any time at all on our own search systems, we realize how much work we have to do. <laughs> Even after all of this that, that uh, Utah Valley University has done, we have a really uh, we have a lot to do. We still have a lot to do to improve our search. And uh, it's one of our big uh, initiatives throughout the next few months and across our, our summer. I don't know if you want to call it a break, but, you know, it's a little less busy, uh, less students uh, hanging around campus, those kinds of things during the summer. So we have a lot of work to do, and sometimes search falls in the back background and we forget to really look at it. Now, when we, when we consider a search system, and I'm not saying just picking a new search system, but how to customize or to develop or improve or fine tune our existing search system. Some of the features that, that I think are really important, uh, we've built this list over a course of, of several months, uh, is right here. And I'll just run through them really quickly. Really what this boils down to is that you need a search system that allows you to customize your search results 
and allow your search results to be part of your existing site and not jump out to another site. So if your search system is a hosted solution, uh, you may want to consider making sure that even though it might be hosted, you want to make sure it's, it's brought in so it looks like your site and they're not jumping to another URL. This is important for your user experience, but it's also very uh, important for tracking in Google Analytics or any other analytics platform your search, your internal search terms, what's being searched on, are they able to find things, and to follow that whole click-through path. Was they came to, to this page, they did a search, they did a search on this type of word, they then clicked on this result, and they went to this page in your site. So not only just what they're searching on, but more of an overall experience or, or pathway, if you will, uh, through that click-through path. The other thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you have things like sponsored links or preferred links or top links. People call them all sorts of different things, top picks, uh, hot, hot links, whatever you, you want to call it. Uh, you want to have that ability somewhere in there. You also want to have the ability to manage multiple collections. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, I've already talked about customizing look and feel. Uh, one of the things we wanted to make sure, again, is to stay on the UVU uh, domain. You want to, to look at the, your autocomplete options. There's a difference between autocomplete and auto-suggest uh, or auto-tipping, uh, those types of things. You want to make sure that those kinds of things are available. You want to make sure to, that you can uh, remove duplicate content from your, indexed, uh, your indexing or your search listing. Um, if you can't get the page off of the site itself, but you don't want it to show up twice, you want to be able to get rid of that duplicate content. Maybe some integration into your 404 page. I'll show you an example of that here in a little bit. Uh, and then a, a big push that we're doing right now is something you might want to consider is doing uh, having a system that involves faceted search capabilities or what some people call parametric filters. We've all used these. I'll talk about those here in a second. And then just integrating into your current systems so that it's not just another system to maintain, but it can be really integrated and easily maintained from multiple uh, sources within your system. So we'll talk about these a little bit in detail. Um, let me just run through these really quickly. So I've kind of blended some of these uh, features from that list into this slide here. The bottom line is you just want really good control over your search results. Notice this is our search results page. Uh, it, it looks and feels like UVU. Uh, if the URL was on the page, you could see that it's actually a UVU URL. Um, currently, um, it's all integrated in. It doesn't. You never leave our site when you're doing a search. So you have these branded abilities uh, to brand your results. It doesn't feel like a different system. We've customized this layout, this design, this look to be whatever we want it to be, and we can tweak this or change this at any time if we change how our site looks or feels. So those are the kind of things that you want to make sure that you have control over your search results. Another piece that you want to do is you want to make sure that you have control over your search results in the actual results itself. Let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. So for instance, the ability to control the text that comes up in each of these boxes now, some people think, oh, this is a no-brainer. It just pulls from the page. You're absolutely right. It does pull from the page. The question is, where on the page does it pull that information? I'll show you some examples here in just a second. The other thing that you want to be able to, to uh, adjust or control or customize is what shows up in these top hits or these suggested links. 
this one, uh, you can see here we've got this, uh, what's the equivalent of like a, a Google sponsored links are up to the top. They're suggested links. They're the top links. We want to show, we want to customize what shows up, but the other thing we want to do is where it shows up. For, the, for instance, here we have it at the, on the top of the page. You can also have it on the side of the page, left or right, depending on what works for your design, your layout, your needs, those kinds of things. So you want to consider that when you're choosing your search tools. The other thing, like I said, about that content, where is it coming from? You want to control that result. You want to make sure that um, you can control the result and get that information where from the right location on the page. For instance, maybe it's coming off the top of the page. Maybe it's the top of the page that um, uh, you want to pull that, that search result from. could be maybe the first paragraph. You may want to pull it from the bottom of the page. Uh, another place that a lot of uh, sites will pull from is that they will control what's in the description metadata tag uh, or the meta tag on the, on the page. And you could put a specific description there. Even though that may not be used by a Google search, you could use it here to provide your search results. Another one that, that a lot of systems will allow you to do is do what's called a query word location, which means that if I did a search, for instance, here for the word academics, it would show the blurb of text, a couple, three lines above, and a couple, three lines below the, the actual location of the word academics in the text or in the body of that page. So it'll actually pull that in. It's called a query word location ability. And uh, that's helpful. If you can control your text, it's, it's really nice. Uh, it also helps you make sure that the content on the page is exactly what you want it to be because you're noticing that's showing up in those, uh, in those uh, keyword searches. So just, just know that that's a, a suggested thing to look at when looking at um, search systems. Another thing that we do is, is like I said, auto-correct or auto-suggest. Let me explain this one a little bit. Uh, so we have on our page, our search page, if you were to just go and link to our search page, not actually do a search, but link to the search page, you're going to see this A to Z index, as you can see here on the left or the right-hand side. It just lists a, a lot of, of our top keywords or areas on campus and gives you the links right to them. Uh, the nice thing about this is it is also tied directly to our top results in our search results page. So if you remember those, those uh, top results whenever I do a search, if the keyword uh, shows some of these, those are going to show up at the top of the page. It also, as we do a search in the search box at the top of our, our header right here, um, it will actually, as you start to type in, it'll do autocorrect, but it also does auto-suggest, as you see in the image on the left here, as you type in, for instance, you start to type in the word advisor, you might get these types of things. Uh, these are not auto-correct auto as far as spelling is concerned. These are actually auto-suggest based on what we have on our site. So those are actually links to our system. So that's the difference between auto-correct and auto-suggest. Without having enough time to really get into detail how this works, um, we've just built some back-end pieces that are fairly simple with a couple scripts to pull this information together and allow the user to have a better search experience using our search bar. Another thing that uh, I mentioned before was multiple collections. Multiple collections are very important because you may want to search your entire site 
or have a user search your entire site or have them search a piece of your site, not the whole thing. So for instance, here's our top header bar on every page across the UVU website. We have this search bar here uh, and you can type in anything and search the entire site, which is great. You can get anywhere you need to go. However, there's also like, for instance, our catalog portion of our website. Once you're in there, if you notice there on the left-hand side, there's a second search bar down in the catalog that allows you to search just the catalog information. It's using the same search system. It's just a different collection and it can fine tune that search or customize that search as needed. We also have an example of one of those in our, on our, in our online policy manual. It's where all of our institutional policies sit. And uh, our policy office wanted to make sure that once people are in the policy manual, they could do a search on any key term and find all the, the policies that have anything to do with, with that term, such as faculty tenure. You could find out all the different uh, policies governing faculty tenure on campus without it being mixed with everything else. So that's a key feature to have. Integration into your 404 page is also very important. Um, one of the things that we've done is that if I were to go to, say, www.uvu.edu slash junk. Now, because we have no junk on our website, huh, there you go, uh, it would be not found. However, uh, if you notice there on the right-hand side, our 404 page says, sorry, it's not found. However, here are some search results similar to what you searched for that may or may not be relevant to what you are looking for. So if someone were looking for, uh, some, if you look down through that list, there are actually things like junk mail, uh, how, to, how to get rid of your junk mail if that was a case or something like that. There's some things by opting out, um, those types of options. So what this does is it actually uses our search engine to populate a piece of our 404 page based on what they were trying to find. So it's, again, a little better experience to say, hey, this isn't, there isn't anything here, even though you might have thought it was here, but here are some options. May or may not be correct, but at least it gives them some options. We're continually fine-tuning this, so this has been something we've only been doing for about a year, and we're still finding better ways to implement this part. Another piece that you want to make sure on your, on your search system that you're able to do is be able to include or exclude certain page elements. For instance, we have a global header on all of our pages that has a few links. We have a global navigation that has a lot of other links. Then we have body content for each page and then a global footer, which also has a lot of global links. Well, if I did a search, for instance, uh, in a, a general search system for the word, say, I don't know, copyright, I'm going to find every page on our site has a word copyright on it because that's down in the footer. What we want to do is make sure that in our search system, we're able to exclude a header, navigation, and footer, or whatever pieces you feel are necessary to exclude, and only really index or grab the body content so that you can really fine-tune and drill down on what the content is, so that you're pointing the, the user or the audience to the right search results instead of wading through pages and pages of what we call false positives. We want to make sure we're getting them right where they need to be as quickly as they can. So that's another piece that you might want to just consider. So as, as we've gone through this process, some of the things that it's reminded us of, and uh, we'd like to share these, these ideas with you, is 
first of all, if our content is wrong, search isn't going to help. Uh, sometimes in higher academics, uh, we seem to think that we can technology will solve everything. The bottom line is, and it will continue to be so, that content is king. You've heard that, con that, that phrase before. It will continue to be king because that's what people want. They want the information. That's why they come to your website. Uh, and if your content is wrong, it just isn't, a search isn't going to solve the problem. It'll actually expose where your content is more wrong. If you have old content still out there, search results can be misleading. Um, uh, we've had some challenges in the past. We've since corrected them with our catalog where people would maybe duplicate some course listings. They would say, here's the courses our department offers. Well, then the course catalog would come out and then the next year it would come out. The department would forget to update their website, but the course catalog has moved down the path two or three iterations. And now we've got old content that is misleading. Students would find it and say, well, I thought these courses are available. No, they're not, only these. So old content can really be misleading. Another thing is that, uh, again, technology won't fix bad content. In this case, meta tags won't fix bad content. Dropping key terms, keywords, and descriptions into your meta tags uh, will not solve bad content, especially when you start using or fine-tuning your search system or results. And another one is, obviously, the better we do basic SEO concepts on our pages and content, the better our search results will be. Uh, it's simple things. We don't have to spend thousands of dollars with an SEO consultant to, to fine-tune it to the nth degree. But the basic concepts, make sure that you're using your key terms, that you want content to show up in your headers, in your paragraph uh, headings, those types of things. Make sure that you've got... Uh, you've got the right information in the right places. You're not saturating every page with the same key terms. You try to break it up a little bit so that people find the right things. If you find that you have departments across campus that kind of, they tend to, um, what's the right term? Uh, argue, uh, battle over a certain key term. For instance, we have four different areas on campus that offer something that would fall under the term scholarship but yet there's really only one scholarship office that our students come to to find out all scholarships that are available. You may have to tweak your content, do some SEO basics to make sure that the scholarship office would be the first thing that comes up in the search, not all these other scholarship options, if that makes sense. So it kind of funnels the users to the right places by using the right SEO concepts. Now, I'd like to shift gears just for a second and talk about faceted or parametric filtering. This is not something that I've seen a lot on higher education websites. However, we all use these on all sorts of different websites, and it really is a replacement for kind of the older versions of what we used to see all the time on, on web systems called advanced search options, where you could do a search with keywords, and then if you wanted to advance your search options, you'd click a, bo a button you'd get an additional set of boxes and you could kind of say, well, I want to filter it in this way. Now give me the results. Let me give you a couple examples and hopefully it will help. So first of all, here I have a, an example, Office Depot. I just picked it. I don't know why. Uh, they, they have a fairly decent parametric filter system. So I just went into the site and I did a search for printers. And if you notice here on this page, right there at the top in the middle, it says printer scanners and faxes. 1,782 results. Well, I'm looking for a printer, but I'm not going to look through 1,782 results. It's just not my, my thing. So here on the left-hand side, we have the ability to filter our search 
term. We don't want to change from printer to something else and fine tune our actually search. We just want to see what they are. Well, they've got it broken down in categories, brands, networked uh, feature, printer features, pricing, uh, those types of things. And you can check each one of these boxes. You can say, well, give me all the HP and the Canon printers, and I want to get rid of the rest. Or, hey, give me every printer that you've got that's maybe between the prices of $100 and $200. Um, you could do that. You could even say, give me all the Canon and HP brands that are between $1 and $200. So you can really filter down your search. So this is just an example of parametric filters. We've used them all over the web. We get used to it. Here's another example, Home Depot. I don't know why I chose both of these that had Depot in the name. I don't know why, um, but I did. Um, so Home Depot does it a little bit differently. So you did. I did a search on mirrors, um, and mirrors brought up 7,675 products that fall into this category. And the interesting thing is now on their parametric filters, they present it a little bit differently. Notice that their parametric filters that you can choose are collapsed by default. You can fine tune down below a little bit, but they have some that are collapsed and some that are not. And I don't know why they just have, uh, that was how they chose to present it, but they're still parametric filters. Now, when you're, when you get into parametric filters, you have to realize that this is a, a bigger thing than just starting to slap some uh, meta tags on pages or something, if you will. Um, you, you need to consider bringing in all of your content from your sub pages. We've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but you want to eliminate your header content. You want to eliminate your footer content. And then if you have sidebar content, that's really depends on what sidebar content is there. If it's specific or unique to that page, then include it. But if you have a contact info box on the, on the right-hand side in a, in a sidebar and you have that showing up on 15 pages and it's the same contact information, it may not behoove you to include that in your uh, parametric filter data just because it'll start to really throw a lot of your results off and, and give too many misleading results to your users. So this is really about metadata and taxonomy. And if you want to use it at different terms, tagging and semantics, there's a thousand different ways to present this. But you need to know what your data is and your data types and start to break it into categories, if you will. Now, this may look really overwhelming, but it's really not. So you really just have to figure out, you know, I have these types of taxonomies. Then inside those taxonomies, I have these content types. And then inside those content types, I might have some different content views. And this is not my image. I pulled this from the web. It was a good example of just thinking through how things work, how your organization of your content is there, and not just uh, throwing things into a big pile and, and putting tags on. Now, I'll give you an example of your, your parametric filters will change based on what you search for. Going back to my Office Depot uh, example, if I search for printer, I may get brands, pricing, network features, those kind of things. If I were to do a search for paper at Office Depot, I'm not going to get network features as part of my parametric filters. There's no such thing as networking features on paper. But I would maybe get pricing. I may get brands. I may get a whole different section called weights. Paper, you know, what is the weighting of the paper or the brightness or colors or those types of things of paper because 
that's how they, those are types of, of paper that they have. Now here, I just show kind of the parametric filters that could show up for a search on the word life versus a search for the word student. For instance, you'll notice several of them are similar. The amount of results on each one are different. For instance, under the, the life, under audience, current students had four results. Under student audience, uh, current students has 17 results. So it's a little bit different. But not only are the numbers different, but there's a few things that are different. We also have additional subcategories that pop up based on what I searched for. We also have a whole an additional category that shows up here called author because we apparently have some stories, blogs, something that have an author related to them under the search term student. So that's, that's why that one shows up. So this isn't about where on your website you're searching for information. It's what you're searching for. The parametric filters will adjust accordingly. Again, going back to Office Depot, these would change depending on what it was you were searching for. Printers show this. Paper would show something else. Pens might show something else. Who knows uh, how they've got that organized. I'm sure they've got a good architecture or taxonomy behind that. Now, one of the things that you have to do with parametric filters is you have to have the ability behind the scenes in your search system. This is just an example screen out of mine where you can describe that data and control that, those settings. You need to make sure that you can set them up properly, you can organize them properly, and you can handle it. From that, it's going to read some data from the pages. And here in the green, you can see here's my data categories, uh, events, campus life, graduate, current student, uh, employee, and transfer student. And so this information is always there in the page. Then you also have to, and this is one thing that most areas, and it depends on how you're set up, but we're set up with a very decentralized uh, content management um, process. We have content contributors from around campus from all the different departments, but we work in a centralized system. So um, we have one system that we all work in, but yet everybody has the ability to contribute their content that they need because they're the content experts. So you have to give them this other piece which is down here at the bottom of each of our pages that they are able to edit, they have the ability to choose which categories show up or their pages show up in the parametric filters. So they have the ability to say, well, this page is important based on the taxonomy that we have as an institution. My page is important to show up, for instance, in the, in the, as a graduate degree inside the degree. This page has something relevant there. Or that the author is important to show up and the author's name is John Doe. Uh, or that the search audience that they may be, if they're an employee and they're searching the site, they're going to want to get this information. So there's, they have to choose the tags, but based on the taxonomy that we as an institution have architected. So it's not just slapping tags on pages and becoming a real mess. It's very organized and very uh, meticulous, um, surgical, I guess it would be the way to, to present that. So I've kind of kind of talked a lot here and I've talked fast and I apologize, but a couple of things that we'd recommend you do just keeping it very simple is first, I've thrown a thousand things at you, but first just implement a basic search. Just 
whatever search system you have, get your search uh, working, a basic search working, make sure it's branded properly, make sure it's coming and bringing in the right type of content, and then fine tune your content and your content types. Make sure, for instance, that if you want PDFs to show up in your search results, that they're showing up properly and they're showing up in the right place and they're not overtaking your HTML pages, uh, those types of things. And then once you get that all fine-tuned and you're happy with your search results, then you can start to fine-tune your parametric filters or implement parametric filters. And if it's the same system, that's fantastic. If not, then you can choose a different system. But you really don't try to take this all at once. This is a, is a huge mountain to climb. And uh, the, the parametric filters have thrown us for quite a loop for quite some time. And we're, we're now understanding it and we know what we want to do. And we've got the taxonomy kind of built out, but it's, it, it takes time. It's probably going to take us another year to get these taxonomies uh, and these parametric filters and tags put across each of our pages. So it's not, it's not something you can do overnight. And I would definitely want to make sure your basic search features are functioning and clean and appropriate before you attack parametric filters. Otherwise it'll be, I think too much of a, of a, a mountain to climb. So with that said, uh, I'm sure we have some questions, Erin. Yes. I, my head goes straight to um, data. And so my question to you is, what are the insights and the information analytics that OmniUpdate is providing you to better uh, create your search? And to co- you mentioned customizing and having control over your search. So can you tell me a little bit more about those insights and what, how you're using those to change your search on your site? Yeah, uh, quite a bit. For instance, um, uh, like Aaron mentioned. Do you want to switch from your slides to your face? <laughs> oh, to my face. Yes, I guess we yeah. could do that, huh? Sorry <laughs> right about that. Let me... Uh, uh. No. All right. Am I uh, switched now? No. You're all good. I'm good? Yes. Technology. <laughs> it confuses me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, thank you for reminding me of that, Aaron. Um, so we uh, we can look inside. I, I don't have it up here where I could show it, but we can look inside the back end of our search system. Like Aaron mentioned, we use the OU campuses uh, our, our Omni Updates OU Search inside of our system. We chose that for several reasons, um, but we can look inside of that system and we can see how first of all how was the data crawled and indexed. And it tells us that each night it indexes or every a couple of days it indexes. It tells us how many successes there were. It tells us which errors showed up. It tells us which pages were duplicated, those kinds of things. We can look through those logs and we can find a lot of errors in our content, in our page structures that we can correct and, and continually clean up behind the scenes so that that indexing happens pro- appropriately. So that's the first way that it, it gives us feedback on improving our pages. Another way that we use it is we'll use it to get into the system, uh, again, behind the scenes, and we'll look at, okay, well, here are what we call, in our, in, in our system, they're called best bets. That's just the term that they use, but it's those top, top links that come up, and it'll tell us these are the words that are being used, these are the words that are being searched on, and as we go through those internal search uh, analytics, if you will, it tells us, look, you've got this term that everyone keeps searching on. They keep searching on this term all the time. It's a highly searched on term. Well, 
now not only does it allow us to say, well, maybe that should show up at the top in these top best bet links um, on these types of search terms, not only its own, but on these, this is the page we want people to go there. But we can also put that in our A to Z index. We also make sure that goes into our quick, uh, our, our auto suggest uh, list that goes at the top of our pages. It'll also allow us to make sure that it's tagged properly with our parametric filters. So it, it helps us know, hey, what are people searching on? And where do we need to move or what do we need to do? The last thing it allows us to do is if we say library, for instance, is being searched on all the time. Uh, well, obviously, that means it's a very highly hit site and people can't seem to find it. They have to search for it to find it. Maybe we need to move that to the homepage. Maybe we need to move that into the top navigation. Maybe we need to put a button over here that makes it easier to find. So I hope that gives some insights, Aaron, on, on kind of how we, how we use that to fine tune our search over time. Yeah, and that leads me right into my next question is as you see these numbers or you see these things coming in, how do you share the data and the information that you're getting to campus partners? I think that's something that we're always looking at is how do we convince the library that, oh, we need to do more, we need to place you differently, or maybe we need to update your website because it's pulling up this really outdated contact information uh, page or how do you communicate with campus partners the value of the search and provide them this data that shows them this is how we should move forward? Uh, great question. Great question. So we'd, we'd use this a couple different ways. We have on campus what's called, well, let me back up. I, I, see, I think I mentioned to you that we have a centralized content management system, but yeah. we have a decentralized content, uh, distributed, distributed okay. content. Um, departments maintain their own content. So we have people in each of these departments and they're all part of what we call the web community. And we meet with the web community every other month on, on the fourth Friday for, for an hour, hour and 15 minutes or so. And we talk about the key things that they all need to be aware of that either what we're shifting in the system or we're improving or, hey, here's some new tools. Here's some challenges that we've come across that everybody probably should know about. This is a great forum to bring up Hey, by the way, as we're doing our search, here's some here's some results on our search. This is what people are doing. We found these errors. We found these things. Can all of you help us clean up our sites and our pages by changing these things on your pages? Now, that's not the only way we communicate it. We send it out via email and things like that. But it gets a good discussion going. We have, a, you know, we have like 400 and something people in our web community. Not everybody shows up to the meeting. On an average, we get just over 100 people that attend that meeting on a regular basis. And that's enough information and enough communication that we get a really good dialogue going on in that meeting. So it's more of a collaborative effort, not a lecture. So that mm -hmm. works really, really well. The other way that we really use our reports is on the opposite end, where I'm sure this never happens anywhere else. But <laughs> here we may have a department that comes to us and says, our department is the most important on the in the universe, and we have to be on the homepage, and we have to be here. And you, I want it to pop up at the top of the search on every word you ever search for. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, absolutely, never, you know, it must be us. But uh, we're able to pull these reports up to say, "All right," and and we don't attack we don't attack their situation directly. Because, you know, as soon as you attack that, people get defensive, and that's, that's a problem. What we do is we say, okay, well, your, your, your program is very important. So we try to validate them. But we also say, according to our reports, um, it looks like library comes up 
all the time. So would you consider yours more important than library or less important based on all of our students and all of our faculty and all of our staff? And it, it may take us a few minutes, but most people are reasonable. And once you show them data, they can start to realize, oh, you know what? Compared to everything else going on, I mine isn't the most important. And I'm happy with it to be here in the list, not at the top. Or I'm happy to do it here. And then once we get that over that hump, then we can use SEO uh, basics and strategies to really help them realize we're here to try to help them do what they want to do, but they can't over, it can't supersede the institution as a whole. So that helps. Yeah. I really like that. Um, that makes it cause you're not telling them that they're not important. You're saying, here's the data, here's what it looks like. What do you think? And then ideally the solution is, is that they see, what all the other things that they may not have been considering when they sent that email or when they reached out to you and realized that, oh, they're ranking alongside the library or they're in the same search queue as the library. So the library who serves all of campus versus their department that serves subset of campus um, should fall below or should fall somewhere a little bit lower in the list. And so I like that approach. It's a lot more friendlier than just saying no. <laughs> yeah. And most people, most people are reasonable. I say most, and I use the word reasonable because we all have those situations where no matter what you do, you can't seem to get the the right information across, but most people will understand that. And then um, my, another question that I'm having is how, so we talked a little bit about just making changes and how you can change stuff, but how does this conversation come into play when there's like an outdated page? Like how do you show that? Do you maybe, bring up the outdated page and how it shows up on the top of their search when let's say, sorry, library, we're not picking on you today, but just the thing that comes to mind, it pulls up an old outdated site that has inaccurate information. And um, these, this department is somewhat prickly about uh, updating their content. Have you found that these insights are helpful to push them towards saying, okay, we're driving people to this incorrect site all the time and we need to pull it down or we need to find where it's sourced so that we can update it. Is this super helpful in those conversations too? It is. Uh, We will typically uh, start that conversation with the actual content contributors of that area. Uh, A great example of this would be catalog information, right? Because every every department wants to be able to have their copy of their degrees. They offer like the accounting department wants the accounting degrees on the accounting site but yet we also have the centralized catalog, which has all that information. And that catalog will update every year. But if the accounting department had a PDF of a, of a degree and two, three years down the road, well, guess what? It's still there. Uh, and the catalog has moved on. It's gotten more up, di- up to date. So when we find that in these search results or in these reports that we pull from the back that, oh, look, there we get this old PDF coming up in accounting all the time. Let's go talk to accounting. And again, most of the time when we bring it to their attention, they're like, oh, yeah, we don't want that. Uh, We need to get the newest one. Well, then we can educate them and say, well, hey, how about instead of just copying the old, the newest one and then creating the problem for it to become aged and out of date again? Can you point from your site to the catalog directly to that degree or because our catalog is also in a, re, a reusable format, can we incorporate that data into your website, but you won't maintain it? The catalog, when they change it, it will automatically change on your site. 
And again, most departments are all about that kind of, uh, of interaction and collaboration. So we, we will use those reports there. And if people are unreasonable about it or they just don't want to change it, then we continue to escalate that up. But again, using these reports, using the things we pull from our search system to use as the data behind the scenes. And again, the data doesn't lie. Um, and it's easy to just get that uh, taken care of. Yeah, I really like the point you made earlier about how the best search system, this best search tool won't matter if your content is incorrect or inaccurate. Um, and I honestly, it's a great way to highlight those weaknesses across your site to find the the holes that people are falling in when they search that you may not have realized were there or the library forgot about this page that's hidden somewhere that keeps popping up because of X, Y, and Z. Um, it just seems like a great way also to help keep your site clean and updated. Yeah, it, it's it's a great tool for us because that's what our, our audience are, is seeing when they do searches or when they're looking for information. So since we use the same tool and we use the reports behind that tool together, that's invaluable. Yeah. And then I know we touched on this before um, with setting up the basic search, but before we sign off today, I want to change my search tool up tomorrow. Like I'm inspired from this, this web show. What's the number one thing that I should go to go and do right as soon as I'm, I hang up this call. Uh, the, the big things that I would recommend is make sure it's, it's got your branding on it, your look and feel and that the users or the audience that use your search don't jump out to another site to get the results and then make sure your analytics is picking that data up correctly. Those would probably be my big three right there. Because from that, you can glean all the other information that you need to continually improve this system uh, over time. And that's what we all need, right? We all need more time. So it's not going to be something you do overnight, but those three things. So brand it, make sure it's embedded into your site, doesn't jump out to another URL, and uh, it allows you to tie to your analytics, whatever that system is. Between that and your search reports behind the scenes, you're going to be able to do a lot with your search. I um, just want to thank you real fast for joining me. This has been awesome. So much information. Um, And then I know that I'm sure the Twitter sphere would be interested in your slides. If you be willing to tweet out a link to those whenever you're comfortable, I know I'd love to steal them for myself to bring forward when we, when we look at our stuff every day, but thanks again for joining me. Um, And thanks always to our program sponsors, Omni update and M stoner. And thanks to everyone who tuned in today. I'm Aaron Spinka and have a great rest of your Friday.